Welcome back, y'all. We are going to continue our track through on to Job chapter 9. And we left off in Job chapter 8 where his friend Bildad had responded to Job. So now we're going to have Job respond to that response. Um, verse 1. Then Job spoke again. Yes, I know all this is true in principle. But how can a person be declared innocent in God's sight? If someone wanted to take God to court, would it be possible to answer him even once in a thousand times? For God is so wise and so mighty. Who has ever challenged him successfully? Without warning, he moves mountains, overturning them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place and its foundations tremble. If he commands it, the sun won't rise and the stars won't shine. He alone has spread out the heavens and marches on the waves of the sea. He made all the stars, the bear in the Orion, the Pleiades in the constellations of the southern sky. He does great things too marvelous to understand. He performs countless miracles. Yet when he comes near, I cannot see him. When he moves by, I do not see him go. If he snatches someone in death, who can stop him? Who dares to ask, what are you doing? And God does not restrain his anger. Even the monsters of the sea are crushed beneath his feet. So who am I that I should try to answer God or even reason with him? So we see, still see here, even through everything that's going on and everything he's enduring and going through right now, he still has a sincere, deep reverence and fear of God. In spite of everything that's going on around him, he still keeps his awe of God strong. In verse 15, even if I were right, I would have no defense. I could only plead for mercy. And even if I summoned him and he responded, I'm not sure he would listen to me. For he attacks me with a storm and repeatedly wounds me without cause. I will not let, he will not let me catch my breath, but fills me instead with bitter sorrows. If it's a question of strength, he's the strong one. If it's a matter of justice, who dares summon him to court? Though I am innocent, my own mouth would pronounce me guilty. Though I am blameless, it would prove me wicked. I am innocent, but it makes no difference to me. I despise my life, innocent or wicked. It's all the same to God. That's why I say he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When a plague sweeps through, he laughs at the death of the innocent. The whole earth is in the hands of the wicked. But God blinds the eyes of the judges. If he is not the one who does it, who is? And he again is saying God is in complete control of everything here. In verse 25, My life passes more, swip, more swiftly than a runner. It flees away without a glimpse of happiness. It disappears like a swift papyrus boat, like an eagle swooping down on its prey. If I decided to forget my complaints, to put away my sad face and be cheerful, I would still dread all the pain. For I know you will not find me innocent, O God. Whatever happens, I will be found guilty. So what's the use of trying? Even if I were to wash myself with soap and clean my hands with lye, you would plunge me into a muddy ditch, and my own filthy clothing would hate me. God is not a mortal like me, so I cannot argue with him or take him to trial. If only there were a mediator between us, someone who could bring us together. The mediator could make God stop beating me, and I would no longer live in terror of his punishment. 
Then I could speak to him without fear, but I cannot do that in my own strength. This is a really huge foreshadowing of Jesus. Jesus is our mediator between us and God. He's the mediator. He is the Savior, the one that reconnected with us to God. He bridged that gap for us so we can talk to God and have a direct, intimate, personal relationship with God. And he, because he died on the cross, we are free of our sins and we're forgiven. So we don't have to live in terror of punishment because we're, we're cleansed, we're pure before God because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. And we can speak to God without fear. We can cry out to God. And I love how he says, I can't do it on my own strength because I can do nothing on my own strength. I need the strength of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus sent for us to live with us, in us every single day of our lives and give us that strength. This is definitely my favorite um, three verses of chapter nine, just because it does prelude to Jesus. Let's go on with chapter 10, verse one. I am disgusted with, oh, Job is crying out to God now. He's pleading to God. Verse 1, I am disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. I will say to God, don't simply condemn me. Tell me the charges you are bringing against me. What do I gain by oppressing me? Why do you reject me, the work of your own hands, while smiling on the schemes of the wicked? Are your eyes like those of a human? Do you see things only as people see them? Is your lifetime as long as ours? Is your life so short that you must quickly probe my guilt and search for my sin? Although you know I am not guilty, no one can rescue me from your hands. You formed me with your hands. You made me, yet now you completely destroy me. Remember that you made me from dust. Will you turn me back to dust so soon? You guided my conception and formed me in the womb. You clothed me with skin and flesh. You knit my bones and sinews together. You gave me life and showed me your unfailing love. My life was preserved by your care. Yet your real motive, your true intent, was to watch me, and if I sinned, you would not forgive my guilt? If I am guilty, too bad for me. And if I am innocent, I can't hold my head high, because I am filled with the shame and misery." And if I hold my head high, you haunt me like a lion and display your awesome power against me. Again and again, you witness against me. You pour out your growing anger on me and bring flesh armies against me. Why then did you deliver me from my mother's womb? Why didn't you let me die at birth? It would be as though I had never existed, going directly from the womb to the grave. I have only a few days left, so leave me alone that I may have a moment of comfort before I leave, never to return for the land of darkness and utter gloom. If it is a land as dark as midnight, a land of gloom and confusion, where even the light is dark as midnight. So he is, he is miserable and he's very confident that he's going to be dying soon. And he just wants to be left in peace to die at this point because he is just in such agonizing pain and despair. And then his friend Zophar is going to respond to him now. Then Zophar, the Naamathite, replied to Job, Shouldn't someone answer this torrent of words? Is a person proved innocent just by a lot of talking? Um, He should have kept quiet himself. (laughs) Verse 3, Should I remain silent while you babble on? Yeah, that would probably be better. 
When you mock God, shouldn't someone make you ashamed? You claim my beliefs are pure, and I am clean in the sight of God. If only God would speak, if only he would tell you what he thinks, if only he would tell you the secrets of wisdom. Wisdom, for true wisdom is not a simple matter. That's true. Listen, God is doubtlessly punishing you, far less than you deserve. So here we're going to get into the accusations and the false assumptions again. In verse 7, can you solve the mysteries of God? Can you discover everything about the Almighty? Such knowledge is higher than the heavens. And who are you? It is deeper than the underworld. What do you know? It is broader than the earth and wider than the sea. If God comes and puts a person in prison or crawls out to the court to order, who can stop him? For he knows those who are false and he takes note of all their sins. An empty-headed person won't become wise any more than a wild donkey can bear a human child. If only you would prepare your heart and lift up your hands to him in prayer. Again, we're assuming and accusing. Verse 14, get rid of your sins and leave all iniquity behind you. Then your face will brighten with innocence. You will be strong and free of fear. You will forget your misery. It will be like water flowing away. Your life will be brighter than the noonday. Even darkness will be as bright as morning. Having hope will give you courage. You will be protected and will rest in safety. You will lie down unafraid, and many will look at you for help. But the wicked will be blinded. They will have no escape. Their only hope is death. And then Job is going to respond to him again. You people really know everything, don't you? And when you die, wisdom will die with you. Well, I know a few things myself, and you're no better than I am. Who doesn't know these things that you've been saying? Yet my friends laugh at me, for I call on God and expect an answer. I am just and bla- I am a just and blameless man, yet they laugh at me. People who are at ease mock those in trouble. They give, ang- they give a push to people who are stumbling, but robbers are left in peace. And those who provoke God live in safety, though God keeps them in his power. Just ask the animals, and they will teach you. Ask the birds of the sky, and they will tell you. Speak the truth, and it will instruct you. Let the fish of the sea speak to you, for they all know that my disaster has come from the hand of the Lord. For the life of every living thing is in his hands, and the breath of every human being. The ear tests the words it hears, just as the mouth distinguishes between foods. Wisdom belongs to the aged and understanding to the old, but true true wisdom and power are found in God. Counsel and understanding are his. That's very true. And he does know that God is in control of everything. And yeah, God did not cause this anguish on Job, but he did allow it. Verse 14, what he destroys cannot be rebuilt. When he puts someone in prison, there is no escape. If he holds back the rain, the earth becomes a desert. If he releases the waters, they flood the earth. Yes, strength and wisdom are his. Deceivers and deceived are both in his power. He leads counselors away, stripped of good judgment. Wise judges become fools. He removes the royal robe of kings. They are led away with ropes around their waist. He, ple- he leads priests away, stripped of status. He overthrows those with long years in power. He silences and trusts the trusted advisor. And he removes the insight of the elders. He pours disgrace upon princes and disarms the strong. 
He uncovers mysteries hidden in darkness. He brings light to the deepest gloom. He builds up nations and he destroys them. He expands nation and he abandons them. He strips kings of understanding and leaves them wandering in a pathless wasteland. They grope in the darkness without a light. He makes them stagger like drunkards. So here we have Job again defending himself against so far, um, saying, I'm innocent, but I know God's in control. I know that God is in control of all things, and I know he's extraordinarily powerful. And I like how he said that he brings light in the deepest gloom. He knows that God brings light and truth and hope, and he knows the strength found in God. So he's still sticking to God through all of this. And he knows um, that he, just, he has to keep trusting God and just keep on powering through. And tomorrow when we continue in chapter 13, we'll see Job speaking directly to God again and going to God for her answers and comfort. So I hope um, the day finds you well and we'll be back again tomorrow to continue through chapter 13. I hope you're all having a great day.